Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon. I say welcome back, but this might be your first time. You may be completely new to the Mind Body Musings podcast, and if that's the case, welcome to the show. A little bit about the Mind Body Musings pod. We have been around for this year will be the sixth year. I have had guests on across the board to talk about hypnosis, tapping, feminine and masculine, loving your body, healing your body from amenorrhea and PCOS. We've talked about near-death experiences. We've talked about uh, what death and mortality can do to the love you experience in any given moment, just acknowledging that that could happen at any time. We've talked about building businesses and loving yourself sexually, sexuality, loving others, polyamory, monogamy. We've talked about the gamut of life. But you know what's one thing we haven't talked about and we haven't dug really deep into? Maybe there's been one show on this, but not nearly enough. And that is acting. This year... I started acting, I guess now it's last year, around spring of 2019, I began acting. And I began acting because I realized how incredibly similar acting is to embodiment work. And the work that I do in the embodiment space, feeling the feels, letting them come up through my body, letting my body move me, letting pleasure ripple through from head to toe, letting grief fill every vessel, every cell, letting my rage, my Kali Ma rage, like the kind of rage that you stick out your tongue, breathe hot air, like, and just let your body care about something so much that you're not going to settle for anything less than what is the best. Rage that comes from that place is good and it's real. It's it's intuitive. It comes from somewhere deep within your heart. And guess what's just like that acting? Acting is incredibly similar to embodiment work and just feeling. You you pair up feeling something with lines with telling a story. And most importantly with you. Like how how lines, how the story, how everything relates back to you. And acting has been a way that I have, just like with embodiment, been able to find new parts of myself. Playing a, a character who is more shy or more coy or a character that's a little bit more reserved, it helps me access that part of myself that is reserved and is coy that I wouldn't be experiencing if I just walked outside on the streets as Madeline. I'm not going to experience that because in those moments, I'm relating to myself as all the stories all the preconceived notions I have about who Madeline is. Whereas when I have a container to go into a different part of myself, I'm really still me. I'm seeing how I, as a nurse or as a cop or as a lawyer or as the best friend who's cheating on uh, her best friends with her best friend's boyfriend, I'm experiencing what it would be like if me, Madeline, did these things. And I'm also giving myself full permission to step into those aspects of myself. That's what's so great about acting and having these containers, just like embodiment. It gives you a time and a place and a safe container to say, okay, so for the next three days when I'm filming, I'm going to be totally stepping into this murder and I'm going to feel what it's like to be murder head to toe and access that part of my heart. Like what would I need to do in even real life 
to be pushed to the edge that I would commit murder? Like what would need to happen? And knowing that you're doing something for a role or for a particular purpose gives you that permission to go into that part that's already there, that part within you. We talk about the light and the dark a lot in this podcast. We talk about being an angel and being a devil, being a protector and being a killer, being heart open, being heart closed, being in depression and being in elation. You have to have both. You cannot just have immense joy and not also know immense grief. Acting helps you to access deeper parts of yourself on the spectrum that you wouldn't normally go to. Most of us are living our lives on this very steady, straight baseline. It's like this baseline, this is me. This is everything I know about myself. I'm a daughter. I'm a lover. I'm a coach. I'm an author. I am kind. I'm brave. I'm courageous. I'm dedicated. Like all these things we pick and choose of what we are. And if something is not on that baseline, that list of characters that I don't resonate with personally, it's most likely not going to be something I'm accessing every day. There's a part of me that does not get access, for example, oh, oh, let's say the, the bitch, like just a, a bitch energy. I'm not someone who's like, let's use crazy bitch. I'm not a crazy bitch. So I'm not going to be going psycho on my ex-boyfriend's ass when he's not answering the phone. Like on a daily basis, I'm not doing that. I am pretty reserved when it comes to matters of the heart in that way. And I might close off more. So if I was to play a character for a short film that is a crazy, psychotic ex-girlfriend bitch, then I'm going to give myself full permission to go into those places in me that might be scarier to go into without that container. A lot of times people don't go into these different parts of themselves because they're afraid of what they'll find. They're afraid of what they will find and they're afraid of what it will mean. Acting is a way you can step into these parts of yourself without having to overthink it. You're not going to be overthinking like, why am I doing this? Well, you're doing this for the role. So that's taken care of. Regardless, you're doing it. Regardless, you're getting into it. And if you're really truly acting, not just pretending, you're also feeling it, which means a life hack, like you're going into these parts of yourself, you're doing embodiment work. And you're doing acting. How cool is that? So I'm bringing on someone today to the Mind Body Musings podcast who is one of the first people that I discovered in my acting career, I'm going to use that word, who totally blew me wide open in uh, self-belief. Just like, wow, I, I can do this regardless that I'm 28 and just getting started. Regardless that I didn't go to acting school, um, I can do this. I can do this without a rep, without agents, without a manager. I can do this. And not only can I do this, but I can love this and I can succeed and create an acting career with it. A full-fledged, successful acting career, if that's what I want. It is within my grasp. And all those stories about, well, to be an actor, you have to struggle. You have to get by You have to live with five roommates or you're going to have to bend over backwards and be in a emotionally manipulative relationship with an agent. Like none of those things are true. You don't have to do any of that. Unfortunately, a lot of actors are doing that because they don't know any different. They haven't met someone like Joseph, who we're going to talk to today. Potentially their first mentor told them, well, if you want to be an actor, you also need to 
be ready to sacrifice everything. And that's not true. You can have a healthy love life and a family life and you can make lots of money and be successful. You can have a side business or a full business. You can do a lot of things and be an actor. Depending on how deep you want to go into the world, you may need a give and a take because deeper the no, deeper the yes. If you deeply want to say yes to something, you do deeply have to say no to all the things that aren't that. Um, And when I say all the things, I don't mean like you can no longer be in a relationship or work out. I mean, stop scrolling on Instagram aimlessly or stop listening to the voice of fear when you have just as accessible the voice of love and the voice of courage. So today, Joseph is going to teach you, yes, you, everyone listening to this, regardless of whether or not you are an actor or you're even interested in acting, how your personality is what makes you unique and different. And I talk about this on the show all the time in the world of coaching, the lens of coaching, that if you want to be a coach, the thing that's going to set you apart from others is your personality. Same with a writer, same with a speaker. Anytime someone is creating something and they're looking around saying, well, so-and-so created something just like it. This person did that too. Why even bother? Well, that's because your personality, who you are, your quirks, your love, your interest, your disdain, your anger, like what keeps you up at night. These are the things that make you you. And these are the things that determine who your friends are, how people see you, um, if you're going to be a successful actor or not, like being yourself. So that should take off a very big weight, especially to all you actors listening to this. You're going to love this episode. If you have an actor friend, anyone who's taking acting classes, send them this podcast episode. Joseph Perlman is like an acting god. In reality, he is a graduate of New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. And he is an acting and performance coach for Hollywood celebrities, musicians, and comedians. He helps his clients launch their dream careers and reach Oscar potential on set. Joseph also coaches presenters for all the major award ceremonies, including the Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, Golden Globes, and Independent Spirit Awards. Some of his clients include Zoe Deschanel, Amy Adams, Ridley Scott, Cian Clifford, Eliza Schlesinger, Eugene Simon, who was in Game of Thrones, Skylar Gray, Sherry Shepard, Alex McNichol, Leon Logothetis, Michael Welch, Julian Sands, and Cameron Douglas, along with many, many others. In addition to his work with performers, Joseph helps world leaders, entrepreneurs, and politicians, and executives, and other industry leaders develop charismatic confidence within seconds for maximum impact on their audiences. Joseph had the pleasure of coaching Dr. Joanne Liu throughout her campaign to be the first person to win two terms as international president of Doctors Without Borders. What? That's amazing. Joanne has been on the front lines of epidemics like the Ebola crisis in West Africa. That's so much pressure to have to take the podium and speak and lead such a big crisis. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Side note on that. That's just amazing. Joseph is also a contributor at USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, Doctors Without Borders, McGill University's International Masters for Health Leadership Executive Program, TED, United Nations World Health Organization, and New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Oh my goodness. He is a contributor to the world. Last but not least, Perlman Acting Academy was voted Best Acting Studio in Los Angeles by Backstage Magazine's Reader's Choice Awards. Joseph's work with actors was also recently recognized by the Huffington Post National Cinema, Theater, and Art critic James Scarborough, and he was named one of the industry's top 10 acting gurus. You're going to find this in just a moment that he is charismatic and charming and really just kind, which I find very refreshing now being in this space for little under a year, which is not long at all. Yet I am a student and when I get into something, I really dive deep and I go in immediately all the way. And I've met a lot of teachers already and some of them are pessimistic and some of them are discouraging and some of them are just downright harsh and cruel because they can be. Because even if they are that way to get what they want uh, with their with their egos involved and um, some manipulative tactics, actors are still going to be eating out of the palm of their hands. And so they abuse that. A lot of managers, I've heard stories of managers having somewhat of narcissistic and emotionally abusive relationships with their clients and their clients kind of just bend over backwards and do whatever they say and don't ask for what they need and don't set boundaries because they want so badly to succeed. And that's heartbreaking. And I'm really grateful for Joseph for bringing in his love, his love as a father and as a teacher as a coach, as an actor, as all the things that he is, and he's fueling the acting space to bring more love to it because entertainment is a way that we connect and we feel joy and we feel um, free from the burdens of our day-to-day life. And we want to make sure the people who are providing such entertainment, the directors, the actors, that they're feeling good too because when they feel good, we feel good. So get ready for this exciting, exciting interview Put on your acting seatbelt and let's head on over. Joseph, it is so good to have you on the Mind Body Musings podcast. As I was telling you before we hit record, I have a friend, someone who, someone else who I actually had on the podcast before to talk about transformation and life and growth and sensuality, lots of fun things we talk about on the show. He was getting into acting and I was getting into acting just last year. And I had this concern that we will definitely need to get into today about, am I too old? Am I too old? I don't have representation. I'm not a child actor. You know, I'm 28 years old. Like, this is this even worth getting into? And he was like, forget all of that. Just read this article and Uh listen to this podcast and read this article. And all of it was by you. And thank God, like, first impressions are everything. And I think my first impression into, into acting, so to say, was you. And immediately made me feel like, okay, let's make this fun. Let's try it out. Stop with all the fears and let's just dive in. So 
first just a piece of gratitude for what you do and anchoring people and having fun in the acting space. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you very, very much. That was beautiful. I am honored to be on your podcast and so happy to hear that something I put out there helped somebody else. That's all, you know, that's all I want to do. Um, so thank you very much for inviting me on. I'm really excited to, you know, not know what's going to happen next mm -hmm. and go on this fun little adventure with you. Oh. And I love what you said about, I just wrote it down. First impressions are everything. It's something we can pick up on later, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I, I think that's so in life and in, also in, in acting. Mm -hmm. um, so yep. thank, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. It's so interesting because if I had read any other article, really, like we, we don't know, but if I had read another article that said something like, well, unfortunately, if you're new to acting in this day and age, you probably aren't going to get started. I might have at that moment that day yep. been like, never mind. Yeah. But instead, I didn't read something like that. I read something that was like, you can do this on your own. Like, yeah, like one of the things that I always see whenever I'm searching for you or, or doing my homework on um, the articles that you've written is about how you can, you can basically create, you are so much more powerful in creating your acting career than what people think. You are not helpless. You yes. can make it happen how you want by doing different types of things, like doing different work that you're not going to be reading about in most articles about like, this is the path of an actor, which yeah. sets you apart from the rest. A hundred percent. You can reject all of that. I'll call it crap because it's crap because it's fear-based. It's limiting. Someone else has an agenda. You know, when they're saying that kind of stuff, I've worked with actors who I've helped to get their careers up and running in their eighties, in their fifties. Mm. Um, you know, pardon my French, but that there is so much, bullshit going on there. And I, I believe it is a lot of, like I said, fear-based advice spread actor to actor. Um, if you listen to, you know, casting directors who teach acting, there's a ulterior motives there and you're going to get some, you know, a lot of weird bias. So I like wiping the table clear of all this stuff that is limiting. I wrote a piece once called Why You Should Stop Listening to Other Actors, not because they're the most wonderful people, it's just there are a lot, a lot of fear-based advice being spread actor to actor. So I'm, I'm really, yes, first impressions are everything. So I'm really happy that you came across that piece when mm. you did. Yeah, me too. And that's, that's one of the things we're gonna talk about also is stories. I noticed that there's a lot of stories actors tell themselves. Yes. Um, before we get into that, tell us about how you got into the showbiz, so to say, and the work that you do now with actors. Well, hopefully you'll pick, I mean, I hope, I know you will, but pick up on this story thing. It was, um, I think it was the writer Yuval Noah Harari that says, um, you know, stories can be really poisonous sometimes when we get attached to stories. Like, don't get too attached to story. I can't remember what it was he actually said, but something like that. So. Mm. Please remind me of, of that. So I grew up in, I grew up in Boston and um, with a, you know, Harvard Business School, uh, taught at Harvard Business School mother and a father who was a psychiatrist and, um, you know, in a very sort of academic family surrounded by musicians and um, doctors and it's very sort of academic sort of pressure cooker environment, but a really interesting 
uh, growing up experience in Boston and always just gravitated towards theater, um, acting. I was, you know, a bit of a naughty child and uh, acted out in any way that I could. Uh, it's lucky I made it through the, <laughs> the school process. But so, yeah, I, I didn't study acting until I went to New York University. I went to a very um, all boys New England prep school, high school that was very, didn't have a really great acting or film department as a lot of those places tend not to, and got into New York University. And, and at the time, I think I was so naive, I didn't even know that I could, you know, when I was a junior, go to college and do only theater and acting. So I got into New York University, uh, was at New York University, um, and then went to uh, study at RADA uh, for my final year there. And let's see, and then I moved to Los Angeles after I graduated uh, for a year when I was around 23 years old and interned with a cousin who is a longtime casting director. She was, her name is Nancy Nayer. She was named head of casting Universal Studios by the time she was I don't know, 21 or 22. I was an intern for her for that year when I went out to LA after I graduated NYU and completed that RADA program. And I sort of learned the casting business, but was really miserable in Los Angeles. It was so far removed from everything that I knew, everything that I was comfortable with um, back east. So I, I went back in about a year and became a member, was lucky enough to become a member of the American Repertory Theater at, um, in Cambridge at Harvard University. And, and then after that, I moved to Brooklyn, moved to Park Slope, Brooklyn, and um, started a theater company called Mandala Theater Company, which was sort of a neighborhood uh, fixture. We, we, got, we had the support of all the neighbors, so I did theater, I wrote, I directed, I acted. How old were you here? I believe I was t maybe 24, something okay. like that. Wow. 24 That's so ambitious for being 24, I think. Uh, thank you. I, I, didn't, I wish somebody said that at the, that point because I felt like, uh, you know, what am I doing with my life and I don't have it all figured out and, you know, I need a job. And um, there, was also a, there was also a huge part of me that after academia was not – a very fun thing for me. I don't think it was very healthy for me. And there was uh, this need to remove myself from that type of environment. So I think for a good year to couple years, I, I really just, I kind of caved in a little bit. I kind of just um, spent a lot of time by myself. I did a lot of reading. Uh, it was just not the best environment for me. So that's when I started the theater company and was trying to do um, things on my own terms a little bit more. Anyway, let's bring, I met my wife on the streets of Park Slope, Brooklyn, uh, which is a whole other story for another day. It was a very cool experience. We bumped into each other uh, randomly. Uh, she was doing an interview for a NPR station in Vienna, like an NPR-like station. She interviewed me on the street. We bumped into each other again randomly. Uh, a couple months later, she came back to Park Slope. We bumped into each other again, and the rest is history. Wow. And, um, so, 
so I met, I met her, I was say, maybe around 2000, maybe around 2003, 2004-ish. I had an opportunity in Los Angeles. We got married in Big Sur, California. We ultimately moved to Los Angeles in 2004 um, for a gig and then stayed here. And I had always had a knack for helping actors uh, on the side when I was at New York University and RADA, just sort of helping them work through their scenes and their performances. and. I interviewed for a job at a small boutique acting studio in LA and I got the job and that was the first, I had no thought that I was going to be an acting teacher or an acting coach. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to do that. I thought it would be a good way just to sort of get involved in a new city as I'm just trying to, you know, find my legs. And so it was this, wonderful small boutique acting studio where I sort of cut my teeth working with actors. We had a young Ryan Reynolds, young Amy Adams, young Zoe Deschanel and Sherry Shepard. And it was like um, Skylar Gray, the Grammy uh, nominated singer songwriter and just sort of worked with these folks or they were young at the time for some years and ultimately decided to start my own studio uh, a couple of years later. Again, the timeline is, I'd, I'd have to ask somebody who uh, thinks about that stuff in a better way. Um, I started my own studio and a lot of those folks uh, stayed with me and just built up the studio that I currently have, just word of mouth, just helping actors, actors referring other people, started writing articles for backstage, never did any advertising at the time, and was just helped actors to get, you know, results after yeah. they were working with me. And it just, it just took off and, and grew from there. So um, I don't want to bore you with, you know. Like, no, it's and, such a beautiful arc. It's such a beautiful story of how one thing led to another and you allowing yourself yeah. in that journey to, to have it unfold and see where your heart was going, what was feeling good. Thanks, Madeline. You know, and it, and it presented a lot of synchronicity events. I think it's beautiful the way you just said it. Just feeling unexpectedly and surprisingly feeling good, triggering all of these beautiful synchronicity moments. And, you know, I look back on it all and time doesn't mean anything to me. It's just this, these beautiful connections I made with these wonderful mm -hmm. people over the years. And and here I am, and I don't have anything figured out. I just know that it, it, it just, if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, you know, maybe sit back and think about uh, whether yeah. you're doing yeah. it. So, yeah, you know, that's sort of, that's kind of what happened, and it brought me to today, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, amazing. So let's go into these stories. I want to hear a little bit more about the stories after you you having worked with people like Zoe Deschanel, which I I just love her so oh, cool. so yeah. dearly. When I do sing, which is very rarely, I channel my Zoe Deschanel voice, and she's the closest voice that I can get to that I enjoy the way that I sing is her her type of singing, which also again. I was listening to the podcast I was listening that you were on today. Um, you had said something you were, you were talking about how you want to be the type of actor to make bold choices so that eventually people say, I want to have a blah, blah, blah type. And Zoe Deschanel became that actress that 
she had told you, like now she's looking at papers where there are auditions and yes. people are writing, I want to have a Zoe Deschanel type, okay. um, which I think is so, so, so beautiful, especially the part about making bold choices. Yes. I, okay. This is a, this is a great thing to talk about because um, it's at the heart of everything uh, yeah. with regards to acting. So I, I, I tell people all the time, and again, there's a lot of there's a lot of information that's spread actor to actor, fear based. I call it herd mentality information that you should really wipe off the table. And one is that you need to sort of figure out what's my niche and what's my type. Well, you know, a hundred other actors could have that niche or could have that type. The thing that you're really trying to figure out is high level marketing and branding with regards to what's the thing that nobody else can compete with? What's the thing that you do that nobody else does that mm -hmm. someone's gonna have to create a type for? And, you know, I, I, I believe personality is 90% of the performance. The person you are is 100 times more interesting than the greatest actor you could ever hope to be. That's a, that's a quote from Melissa Bruder, and I believe it wholeheartedly. And so, for some time, Zoe, you know, she projected this sort of nerdy, indie, dorky um, uh, kind of thing. And I think a lot of folks didn't really know, like, what to do with it. And it wasn't obvious that that was the thing that's, you know, she's going to use and her reps are going to use to sell her when they pick up the phone. But there was a time where I, I really knew that Zoe made it uh, some years ago. I was putting her on tape for a, a feature film and she kind of looked bummed out when she walked in the, in the studio when we were about to start our session. I said, Hey Zoe, like, what's up? Like you seem, you seem a little bummed. And it was before TV became as big as it was. And she said, Oh, I'm just doing so much TV right now. I'm doing a lot of TV. I think she had just done weeds and I haven't, I haven't done as much film work as I wanted to do. And, I, and my reps just gave me this, and she had a piece of paper in her hand, and I said, what is it? And she, she like handed it to me, and then she sat down. And on the paper was a character description, and it said, looking for a Zoe Deschanel type. <laughs> and she's like, see, like, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like, you know, for whatever reason, she was too, she was, I don't know what, too expensive or booked out for that time, but they had to find a second rate copy of her because they couldn't work with her. And I said, Zoe, like you made it. Like you've just shown people something they can't live without that they need to get a copy of. Um, so it was kind of a beautiful moment. And she was bummed by that? She, well, she, I don't think she really realized the implication of it. Yeah. So she wasn't ungrateful. She wasn't ungrateful for the opportunity and the work that she had had. It was just she wasn't doing what she really wanted to sink her teeth into mm -hmm. at the time and saw here's a role, like why can't I do it? Why do they need someone who's a Zoe Deschanel-like actor to do this? Yeah. So it was, it was one of those confirmation moments where it's like, um, one of my favorite quotes was from Diana uh, Vreeland, former editor of Vogue, was to show people what they didn't know they wanted, what they didn't know they wanted yet. To show people mm. what they didn't know they wanted yet. Um, and it is like, yeah, what is, what is that thing, that, 
that personality, behavior, um, what are your core values? What do you stand for? You know, there's a lot of questions I go through when I work through this with actors. Um, but what's the thing that somebody is going to fall in love with, basically? You know, and it's not the obvious things. And I think a lot of actors are chasing the sort of the niche and the type and all that. And um, I, I see that as a, as a potential dead end. Uh, so yeah, per personality is is really everything and it was something i saw oozing from her from the first moment i met her and i feel like everybody has that potential it, part of what i'm doing is let's clear away the brush the bullshit the stuff that you know we've kind of masked it with there's um a beautiful shell silverstein quote that i love and i'll i'll read it very quickly and um underneath my outside face there's a face that none can see. A little less smiley, a little less sure, but a whole lot more like me. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> I get- can't have I, a smile. Me, every time I say it, I'm reminded to take a breath, that it's like, okay, oh, I can, I can put down what I think I should be saying or what I think I should be doing and just, you know, just do me, just be myself. And yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll let you, please. So yeah. that brings up another question. So let's say that you're going after a part and this part has a character description. It's a, it's a woman who's torn between two worlds, this or that. And she has this history and past and two child, two children left at home. And she has to work this job that she really doesn't love to get by. Like you really get into this character's head. You can feel yeah. what she's going through. Then there's the moment you go into the audition where you're, you're bringing all of this this quote baggage that you've created for the character Sherry and yeah. you want to bring in yourself to it too. Um, whenever I go into classes and I sit down and I'm hearing the teacher talk about like really breaking down who the character is and then I go in and we do a test audition and then I bring more of my whatever yeah. I am like my quirky self Right. A little bit of humor to it. And and then afterwards, the teacher may say something like, but that's not what this character is about. This character is about blah, 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 like this thing. And like a lot of y'all missed that. You know, I'm confused right now as a newbie actor of being like, okay, I bring myself, but also if I'm bringing myself, am I actually acting as that character? This is a really good question. It's you under the influence of the character. It is under what conditions would it be possible for you to feel that, for you to be that. And I think the mistake is to think like, oh, how am I supposed to play this character? Or I wanna do, ju do justice to the writing. Of course you wanna do justice to the writing. But you're not playing yourself. It's you under the influence of it. We're all human animals capable of relating and identifying with a whole breadth of experience that we haven't even had yet. And so, the, one of the most important things to do when you first get a script is to immediately let go of your idea of who you think that person is. Your best choices are never going to be found in the script. And this is where a lot of teachers and a lot of classes and a lot of methods really miss the boat big time and where we pick up the slack is that I'll say to people, how often in life do you say the words you say how often are those words a match for what you feel and what you mean? Uh, not so much. Sometimes, yes, um, if, we are, if we are matching our words to our feelings, 
But a lot of the times, no, we're these human animals. And so we say things that are a mismatch for what we feel. So why are you making choices based mm. on the words in the text? There was a beautiful quote, and I want to, it, it sets the stage for what I want to say next. Um, it was Martin Landau. And I want to see if I can grab it. It's right, right here. Martin Landau said, in a well-written script, what people say to each other, the dialogue, is only what a character is willing to reveal, willing to share with another person. The 90% he or she isn't willing to share is what I do for a living. And that is like, that doesn't mean you're going rogue and bending the character around you, but it means that you are figuring out under what conditions would it be possible for me to be this loving person or this hateful person or this vindictive king or queen. Um, not because you're a son of a bitch or a bad person or you as a human being are capable of doing that. It's this healthy exploration of um, finding the thing. The best choices are never gonna be found in the text, but they're gonna be born from it. And a lot of actors will make, um, an understandable mistake of looking at a character description in an audition or looking at a scene description and thinking, oh, those are my acting instructions or I need to obey that. Let me say this, no character description, no scene description are ever your acting instructions. They're not to be ignored, but they're in no way for you to obey. Um, as an example, let's say you're playing um, a doctor or a lawyer or someone in the military, um, the trap would be to play her doctorly or lawyerly or to think, to, to have an idea of who you think she is before allowing that incredible discovery to go through you and finding the thing that you ultimately hear the producers will say. The producers, when they, when they actually book an actor, they'll say something to the effect was, it wasn't at all what we were looking for. It was nothing like what anyone did. It was better. You're elevating the art versus obeying, fitting in, backing off. Um, so yes, it, it's like, um, and, and we, we find our way in with the work. What I do with the actors is I do this really fun exercise called I am one who, where Madeline, all you need to do is to say the words, I am who, and you're just to start to talk as her. And I start to guide the actors to these emotionally hot moments. And within seconds, I could say to you, do you feel like you're acting? And they'll say, no. I said, is it, is it fun? Yes. Does it feel like yourself? Yes. So yeah, it's, um, I'd, be, I'd be so thrilled for you to come, you know, come watch the work uh, sometime, you know, whenever you want, because I can, you know, I love talking about it, but I, I love even more showing people. And it's like, it's this incredible discovery where you use your words to create the reality of the character. And all of a sudden, this incredible thing emerges at the end of the work, like I said, that, that will never be found in the text. So I, I think there's just a lot of, I'm not knocking anybody, but there's a lot of, there's a higher art form. There's an elevation to the art that I don't think a lot of people get. There's a next level to it, a creation discovery level where I always tell actors this, I think 
in acting classes where half the class you watch your performance is a big mistake because it is not necessarily healthy for every actor to be watching or force-fed their performances. Great actors know the work is great because they feel it. You want to be trained to feel it. Never to have a teacher say what they think you should do or comment on what wasn't working. And the markers are this. It's very simple. I want to sort of give a gift of sort of telling you and your audience what this is. Great actors know the work is great because they feel it. And these are the four things that you feel. One, you ask yourself, and it's binary. It's like there's no thought as to, oh, is it this or is it that? You know immediately. One, if it's not fun, it's not working. Cathartic, empowered, invigorated, alive, whatever your version of fun is, if it's not that, if you're not feeling that, something's off. Number two, if it doesn't feel effortless, it's not working. Oh, I love your, that. Your best acting, Madeline, should feel as easy as if you were playing yourself. Like just the conversation we're having right now. I do not have to put effort in to be myself, mm. and nor do you. It should feel effortless. And that's terrifying for actors who expect every moment to feel like birthing a calf. I always use that horrific image, but like to feel every moment should feel like squeezing something. So one, it should be fun. Two, it should feel effortless. Three, you should have impact. Affect change. Find an opportunity to surprise your partner. Because this, as Hitchcock said, is everyday life with all the boring parts cut out. You know? So to mm. have impact, it's like, are you standing behind a piece of plexiglass just yakking to somebody? Or are you stepping in and causing mm. the color in their face to change? Are you, you know, are you pushing, pulling? Impact. And last your best acting should feel like you. It should feel like your version of it. And that's the differentiation. You're not playing yourself, but you're leaving your mark on it. You're doing your version of it, not the way you think it's supposed to be. That's really doing justice to the writing, is elevating the art uh, and doing your version of it, not playing yourself. So, yeah, it... it, it it, it, it's so it's so it's so fun. Um, it's such a fun thing in practice. I hope it's as fun hearing about it or you know having this conversation. I, I'm 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 hoping it will be. Oh my God, yes. I mean, absolutely. For me, on on this on this end of the spectrum, I'm just I'm loving the anchor of remembering this is to be fun. Like yeah. that that for me, especially being new, that's why I'm just doing it. Like I'm not. Should I do this? Is a waste of time. Like I don't know. I, none of those thoughts ever pop into my head every audition I go to I'm having a great time like this world is whole is, it's so new to me so oh, that so I feel very lucky in that way that I haven't been doing this for many 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 years while that would still be great and it would probably serve me very well to have that much experience and be more in the industry at the same time I can see yeah. the bright side and that everything is so new and shiny and different and like my inner student gets to really play right now because I'm learning from people like you about this industry and how it's actually very similar to like my day-to-day -day life and the embodiment work that I do and being a coach, like everything you were saying about what is going to set you apart, being an actor is who you are, is the same yeah. thing in the coaching world. There's so many coaches. What's going to set you apart from the other coach? It's your personality. Exactly. It's the same yeah. exact thing. And 
it should be effortless. If you're doing certain things in your business that are not fun, why are you doing it? Because your audience will smell it. They'll feel it. They won't hire you. It's all so related. I think a lot of actors feel like they're supposed to suffer. They're supposed to endure abuse. They're supposed to take that. And that will do more to shut your career down Mm. uh, than, than anything. And let me just say this right now, just to kind of clear the desk. There is nothing that will limit you or your friend should you truly love acting from having a career if you want it, especially today. But it's always been that way, but especially Mm -hmm. today where the content is limitless. So completely, whoever's listening to this, at whatever age you're at, know that it is possible to launch your career in a fun and meaningful way at whatever age you're at. I think it was years ago, 70s or so, that Gene Hackman started his career in his 40s. It's like, you know, let that stuff go so you can fly and mm. and have fun with it. And and you know, honestly, like that kind of stuff, how 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 is somebody saying something like that useful? You know? Right. It's, it's not. It's it says more about where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so mm. yeah, it's it, it's just it's it's really any really anything is possible if you truly love acting. I wrote a piece about that once. Do you truly love acting? Okay. And it, it kind of fleshed out some folks that were like, wow, I, I don't think I really love this. I think I've just been doing this on autopilot because I feel like I'm supposed to not let go of this thing that I once loved that I don't, you know. But martyrdom you- then. It becomes martyrdom. It's just like, martyrdom. well, I got to do it because that's what I'm here for. And I put so much time and effort into it. Um, I, yeah. I want to make sure that I ask you about this, about managers, representation, because yes. I, I just, I need to hear this message. I know so many other people listening to this need to hear this message. I am really hooked on the idea that it's better to have representation and managers and an agent than it is not to have one. What are your thoughts about having reps? Um, I would say it's the opposite. I think Um, the thought that I need to have reps or actually trying to run after reps and get them can do more harm than good. So it's something that reps do not make an actor valuable. And here's why. Um, And I wrote a piece called why you should stop looking for representation. And this is what's going on. The reason some years ago, I noticed this trend, like, why are some actors going out for 50 plus major film and TV auditions a year, and some actors who are just as talented, who have reached that Olympic level, because it's not enough to be good, you have to be great. Um, Why are those actors only going out for zero to seven major roles? What's the difference? Well, here's what's going on, Madeline. 99. whatever, five, or 99.9, or 99% of all agents and managers are not going to do the one thing that's necessary to get you into an audition room and to compete for roles. They're not willing to pick up a telephone and pitch you. 99% didn't know that it was their job to use a telephone. And the 1%, the wonderful reps, the agents and managers that do, um, would never think to not use a phone. That's the only way they're able to have careers as agents and managers because those 99% of reps that don't use the phone never knew that they were supposed to are afraid to pick up the phone and do the equivalent of sort of, I described throwing gum on a wall and seeing what sticks in the form of submissions. So 
actors will just feel that somehow they need to find reps and that also sometimes releases them of responsibility for mm. doing it on their own because mm. you can't, you actually have to do it on your own. No great rep is going to want to be sought after by an actor. They're going to want to feel like they came across them in a synchronicity type of way, whether it's through a referral or seeing their work. So um, what I'm doing in, with the work is I'm, I'm saving actors from wasting 10 years of their life by just signing with some agent or manager that they pursued and then nothing happens. They go out for zero to seven major roles a year. So it is possible. There is a right. Here's one of the biggest misunderstandings as to how this industry works is that an actor feels they're supposed to get an agent or manager. And then once they have an agent or manager, they're going to be getting them auditions and doing all the sort of the heavy cutting. Um, and that's not, that's not what happens. What I'm helping the actors that I work with do in the career work is realize that casting directors don't cast actors. They have a very important job to do. They bring a thousand people down to 20 or seven and show those people to a production team, writer, director, producer, and they make the final casting decision. So what I, where I think a lot of actors make a mistake is in thinking that casting directors are this magic pill and the agents are this magic pill um, to getting an audition and having a career. Simply getting an audition and going to that audition, preparing it is one out of 20 ways to get a role. Mm -hmm. Here's the higher level of the game. You need to, when you're at your Olympic level, because again, it's not enough to be good, you have to be great, be very clear about what you wanna do. Just like in life, like you don't want to be a part of someone else's boat wake. You want to be clear about, I want to be a series regular or a series lead on a single camera, Netflix uh, or cable comedy or a gritty cable or broadcast net. You want to be very clear about what you want to do, Madeline, and who you want to work with. Then there's a right way and a wrong way, but there's a very right way to build and maintain game-changing relationships with the actual production company, executive producers, writers, directors of the projects you want to work with. And to be able to maintain those over the months and over the years so that when you do get an audition, you are coming to that audition already on the support of a relationship with the production company. So a lot of actors who go on these auditions um, it's an exciting thing to get the audition, but they don't realize they're competing. Um, they're competing in this bigger lottery that they're even going to be seen by a producer after they go to that audition. You don't want to play those odds. You want to be someone who is known to the network, known to production before you go to casting. Then do the best job that you can possibly do in that audition to stand out and then have a very uh, a tight follow-up game. So there's this, this whole other level to it that isn't, it's not so apparent. Again, if you, if you read some of the articles or listen to some of the, you know, some of the actors, some of the industry chat, there's a whole other level. Mm -hmm. And those are the actors that I'm helping to actually not, you know, compete for every role they're right for. To build relationships with production, Madeline, where they're gonna get into the casting mix months 
before it ever gets to a casting office. They may even get pre-selected or cast before it ever goes to casting. Um, and it's very exciting. And, and to do that work, like I said, the first step on that journey is to very clearly know what you want. Um, to know what shows are out there, what genres you'd like to be a part of, to know whether you'd like to uh, work on Lost in Space or Succession or you know, specifically what you want. And within 30 to 60 seconds, it's possible on a telephone to build a game-changing relationship with the office of a major writer, director, producer that you're then going to um, be able to follow up with throughout the year, almost like putting your finger on the pulse of what they're gearing up for, like I said, long before it ever gets to casting, and not only that, becoming more familiar to them and they becoming more familiar to you, et cetera. So I, I just really do want to illuminate there's this whole other way um, that it works. So you don't have to play this, you know, herd mentality, cattle call, I hope I, you know, that kind of, you have more control. And I think that's a great thing if you understand. Um, and it also, I think it's so exhausting to do all the things you're supposed to do to think about sending out mass mailings and postcards and pursuing agents and managers. And um, I, I think one of my favorite quotes was a Seth Godin quote. And Madeline, I, I, I could just keep talking, so just jump in. But <laughs> I'm going to share this quote with you. Seth Godin said something that profoundly impacted my life some years ago, and I share it with my clients. Effort isn't the point. Impact is. If you solve a problem in three seconds or three minutes, it's art. And if you move 10,000 pounds of granite, sorry for your calluses, but you haven't made art, at least not art that I'm going to connect with. And, and that's, how I see, that's how I see this work. It's um, Steve Jobs said once, the ability to use the phone properly separates the doers from the dreamers. And it brings me back to the fact that most reps never knew that it was their job to get on the phone. And the reps that do always tell me, Joseph, we make hundreds of phone calls for our clients every week. The highest, the biggest, the best agents and managers in Hollywood, that 1% or less than 1%, they use the phone all the time. Because one woman who I've been working with for years said, one, I'd say one in 20 phone calls um, yields a high-level audition, and one in a hundred auditions at a, at a small boutique management company will yield a booking. Now, imagine if you don't use the phone, if you're just sort of submitting actors through breakdowns online. You're just like, you're playing a lottery, and you're better than that. Not you, but one is better than that um, to, to, to put one's career chances into this sort of lottery model. Um, so I, I would love to be the first person maybe to say that you do not have to participate in that. Mm. Uh, there is another way through it. And it actually gives you, frees you up the emotional space to learn how to be the best actor you can possibly be. Um, and yeah, I mean, and I think another thing that folks lose track of is um, a lot of places want to train the actor to prepare the piece sort of in the hall before they go in not realizing that when you walk into a room or when you pick up a phone to pitch, to introduce yourself to a writer, director, producer, they're going to want to interview you before 
as a person, you as a person before you as the actor. Because what they're trying to figure out is, are you fun to play with? Mm-hmm. Are you someone that we can personally like? And vice versa, you should be sussing that out too. And not only that, is there zero desperation? So one of the fun things that I'm enjoying is working with these actors, not only on helping them to guarantee a win in their acting, but how do you guarantee a win when you walk in the room as you? And you can't try to do it. All the work has to be before. How do you walk into any room, whether it's as an actor, a, a TED Talk, a speaker, um, any, you know, into your house, you know, with your, your spouse? How do you walk in and within seconds light somebody up? Um, be the person that somebody wants to play with, somebody wants to work with. Uh, and that to me is, is just as fun as all the, and just as important. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop and let you, and because and, I feel like I'm just, I'm talking, but I, I do hope it has all I want. Oh, I feel so lucky. Like, I'm so grateful to have a podcast right now that I get to do that and I get all these inside secrets and then I get to spread it out into the world. I feel so lucky. And keep nerding and I, out. I love your process. I love that one thing takes it to the next. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, um, the way that you've been taught to do it. Like, because the way people describe it is like, is that fun? Is that like, is that like, is that the time I want to spend away from my family and my person? Like, do I really? Like, no, most of that is not fun. Like, if it only took 30 to 60 seconds um, in a powerful phone call, if you knew how to sell yourself when you pick up the phone to, to get a wow, to say something that somebody can't ignore, my God, wouldn't you want to like figure that out? Like, mm-hmm. because um, one of my clients said, um, you don't have to climb all the rungs of the ladder. It's possible to teleport. Really? Ooh, I like that. Yes. Jason Bateman in his acceptance speech for Ozark said something really cool to everybody. And it holds true. You, anybody, any actor is just one job away from that next big thing. One job away. If you're just one job away from everything opening up to you, a whole world of opportunity opening up, take a breath, like relax, like relax. It's not, it does not have to be mm. the, the hike up Everest that everybody tells you it is. Um, there is a way to teleport and I have seen yeah. it over. I see it every day. Um, so hopefully that makes people smile. That's, that's what people need to hear because like the minute I got into this acting space, it was so interesting. It was like almost embedded into me to have this feeling of scarcity. Like, it was it was instant. Like even thinking about going into acting, I felt this this weight in my body, almost this heaviness that was like, oh no, yeah. like now I gotta get by. Like there was like that feeling which came out of nowhere because I have an abundance mindset. Like I'm in the spiritual coaching space, which feels really good, and it's like yeah. you can create what it is that you want to create. And I know there's also yeah. a lot of privilege in that. But I've worked really hard to get to this place to build a business that feels like it is on the edge of effortlessness and I'm deserving of and all that. And then the minute I was looking into acting and then starting it, being around people in that space of having three different roommates and always rolling their eyes at someone else getting a part and... Um, like I just so, so much of that energy that can't afford that or classes are expensive and all this and that. And I'm like, Whoa, do I want to go into this world and be around that kind of chit chat and energy? And, and (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I, and and I, and, and I don't want to either. And so I've, I've been intentional about what I'm absorbing and what I'm reading and making sure that I'm staying in, 
around people who are like, you've got this, you can do this. Like you can have everything. You can have an abundance in your, in your personal life and your career and also an abundance in acting. And you can um, feel it in seconds. You do not have to, you can start to yes, feel Yes, the teleport, the teleport is really powerful. Now, when I get onto, for people who aren't into the acting space, there's something called backstage and that's what Joseph writes for. He writes for the backstage magazine and, and there's also um, something called actors access and that's where a lot of the listings are. So Joseph, whenever I go on there and I start to submit myself to these parts, I see things that are like, okay, student film, like we're looking for grace who's going to be the dead girl and then the next one is like all right now we're looking for um someone to be in an infomercial and then like i just see all these things that i am not trying to skip steps like i know i need to pay my dues and i need to i love just to be in the work so if i get a student film i'm super excited or a short film i'm really excited i'm like yeah let me just practice this and all of the parts that I think you're talking about, like being in something like Ozark and being in something like yeah. Euphoria or um, uh, Kimmy Schmidt, I don't know, whatever is out there, like that stuff we're not seeing on these breakdowns anyways. Exactly. So my yeah. mindset was thinking you had to have a rep because they had an access to those special sheets that had all of that. Some of them do, but if only 1% do, and those 1%, they actually, in order to work with those folks, you need to have a lot to bring you know to that table and how do you bring it's this big catch-22 that a lot of actors find themselves in well how do i get work if i don't have a rep and if i don't have a you know so but the reality is that listen i um the the actors access and the backstage you have to think about this and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna knock any of it but those are literally thousands of people competing for roles um, and you have to think the folks that are seeing those submissions coming in don't know who you are. Um, it, it, it is a bit of a lottery. And I'm saying there is a whole other teleport type of way where um, you can compete for higher end roles, higher level roles, for the supporting roles, for the lead roles, not just the, the sort of cutouts that can't be cast you know, among the big agents and managers by simply building and maintaining these amazing relationships where the people that you're building these relationships don't feel that you want something from them. They just are getting to uh. really like being around you. That's one of the secrets, the things that we work on is that it's, it's a pitch, but it's not a pitch. And there's a whole other way because the, the mass submissions on breakdown services are backstage. I would say at a certain level, an actor does not have to do that. They don't, they don't have to do that. That's, that is, how fun is that? That's the question. Is that, is that fun? And is it yielding results? Well, if it's yielding instant results, then by all means, keep doing it. Um, there are a lot of pl submission-based platforms. But if you could legitimately pick up a telephone and call the right person and say the right thing that in 30 to 60 seconds solidifies this beautiful iron in the fire with the production team of your dreams that you'd like to collaborate with, well, you've just in 30 to 60 seconds done more than most actors will do in a year of submission. Hmm. Um, and it's possible to do that. And, and imagine how that would feel at the end of the day, knowing that all it took was 30 to 60 seconds and any other call would be 30 to 60 seconds. It like, yeah, Madeline, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's very easy to get in a not feeling good type of place. Um, mm -hmm. And if you get in that not feeling good type of place, 
um, that's what you're going to get um, in your career. So I, yeah. I, am, I really do mean it. Um, stop with the submissions. Stop with the mass mailings. Um, the, the work I do with the actor is high level, Harvard Business School level value proposition. It's marketing and branding at the highest possible level. It is so far removed from niche and type. It is asking questions like, what are your core values? Mm -hmm. um, what do you stand for? What are, your, what are your current or future fans gonna connect with? What is the thing mm -hmm. that somebody is gonna fall in love with, the not obvious thing, the, 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 the little thing? that they feel like they discovered this, this, you know, what's something that's going to get somebody excited. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really, I really want people to have more time back. Um, so they can feel good at the heart of it, because if you don't feel good, uh, you, you, you can't move forward. Like I said, you're going to be just sort of eating other people's wake and taking bread, feeling like you're just getting breadcrumbs and handouts and stuff that falls off a truck instead of like, um, very clearly having a strategy for staking roles, for laying claim to relationship and roles. And it is, it's just the thing that's done at the higher, highest level that most folks are never exposed to, um, you know, because of all the murky, you yeah. know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's, that's spread actor to actor. So working with you, that would be where you get the the game plan and the understanding on how to call these certain people because like in my mind i'm like where in the world would you even start where do you even go like this is harvard level so i'm assuming this is the kind of work that you do with people one-on-one -on -one or in your classes is actually like all right when you call like yes. are, this is once you get your your clarity about what you want to do which is also great feedback i haven't really done that part of like really because i'm in i'm such in a new place that i think well I do what I do. I do it all. You know, I can't be picky. I need to just try everything, do everything. And so I don't have that crystal clear goal of what, what I want to do. Let's do that work. You and I, you and I should do I that. Know. I know. I feel, I feel really called to do that with you. It sounds, it, cause I got some feedback that I didn't need to. And I'm sure in some ways it served me. I'm like doing all the submission stuff, but also you're giving me a very empowered feeling of yeah, like what would my fans say whenever I'm doing that role that, that I know deep down I want to do? Like I have movies that I'm like, oh my God, I would love to be in something like that. Yeah. I have those and I haven't given myself that time of day to, to say that's what I want and to be clear on that. Madeline, it is really as simple as triggering this beautiful sort of fun vibrational place inside of you with confidence, with fun, with love, and, and triggering this thing before you make these phone calls, before you walk into a space where you're gonna meet industry people, to be somebody that some other folks can't ignore. And that's the work. There are two parts to, the, to my studio. I say there's two sort of um, modalities. One is are the, are the classes, and the other is the private work I do. I do private work one-on-one -on -one for pre-audition, how to guarantee an audition win, or prepping booked role on a film set. And then the career work is, I call it launch your career program, where we go through and distill that value proposition and work through every phone call, the dialogue, and then the follow-up emails and all that. The cool thing about the classes is that the actors who are in the classes, most of them do that work with me, so that every single week, should they want to, they can prepare, uh, coach on, 
and strategize with me to pitch themselves for a new currently casting major film and TV piece every single week. So the classes are almost like an accountability session, accountability group for the, for the private work mm. I do. So it, 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 it's connected in that way. The actors know how to pitch themselves. They know how to, one of my mentors um, in high school, her name is Roz Clark, said something that was so beautiful. She said, Joseph, what is for you will not go by you. I love that. I was like, whoa, what is for you will not go by you in life and acting and romance, you know, whatever. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in the vibrational, emotional, good feeling place to be able to actually reach out and grab it. That doesn't mean it's going to fall in your lap, but you need to be in that amazing feeling good place hmm. to feel empowered, to actually reach out your hand and take a bite out of that and bring that to you. So that to me is, you know, that, that's like the most, sort of the most important thing. Are, are, you, um, are you having fun? Are you, are, you, are you a person that other people are going to be attracted to, to that level of fun? Um, but yes, with, with regards to the, how does it all work? Um, the actors learn how to build those relationships. They learn how to compete for every role they're right for. And they use the classes. My, my classes are not academic classes. It's very important to practice how you play. One of the things I see happening in classes um, that isn't useful or doesn't have utility is that the acting classes are these sort of insular academic environments where you're performing for a teacher or you're, um, you're, you're doing something other than what you would do outside of the class on set or in an audition room. And it's very important when the actors um, these people come into class and bring something in. I'll ask them two questions. One, what are you working on? And two, how do you want to work on it? I never want somebody to say, this is just a scene study for class, or this is just an audition piece. There's 15 different ways of auditioning. There's a pre-read, there's a callback, there's a producer session, there's video audition. I want them to get up there, whether they actually have that audition or not, or they actually have that booked role or not and say, Hey, Class, Joseph, I'm working on a booked role. I'd like to work on a scene study piece for a booked role. Or I'm doing a uh, callback, an audition callback. And to sort of use their words to own, to own that in the moment, I think, it, I think it brings them closer to actually having that event instead of I'm working on this in a class um, to please the class or to please the teacher and to, to take out that academic type of thing. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. Um, to, to be very clear uh, and specific about how they'd like to do it um, that directly relates to what they wanted to practice how you play, basically, is what I'm trying to say. It's very important that whatever type of class environment you're currently in, whether it is like that or not, or not that you pleasantly, persistently sort of request to, no, I want to work on this in the context that I would if I was bringing this into you for private coaching or as if we were simulating an actual audition, or as if I'm going on set tomorrow. There's so many terms like scene study, audition technique, um, that get really tarnished because scene study, scene study isn't just for an acting class, scene study is the process of breaking down a scene for a booked role, for a theater performance, for film or for TV, or even the process of breaking it down for an audition. So. Again, it's just important to 
to be specific and to clear away a lot of this stuff that I don't feel like is useful, sort of practicing in an academic environment. Um, yeah. And really at the, what's going on with the work, Madeline, is I believe in life and in acting, your words create your reality and not your thoughts, not just the, the words you say, but your emotionally charged body attitudes, your emotionally charged words help to trigger that creation, help to bring it fast, bring about something faster. So I, I, I would be so thrilled, like I said, for you to come watch the work because it's, it is fun to talk about, but it's insanely cool to put your eyes on. And if there are any of your listeners want to come watch. Um, in LA. It. And it's in Los Angeles. Um, and it would be free to come and watch. You're welcome to, you know, to reach out. But, but like I said, uh, any plans to come to LA anytime soon, Madeline? You know what? I don't have any right now, but I told myself in 2020, I was going to come to LA for maybe two to three weeks and something would happen with acting. And it was oh. on my list to come visit your studio. So I think it will happen in 2020, hopefully sooner rather than later. It's so easy to get from New York to LA. Cool. Maybe we could arrange for like a video audit in some way. That could be oh. I don't usually do that, but I would, I would be uh, potentially open to doing that for you to just to, to experience the work from where you're at. That'd be uh, so cool. That'd be yeah. fabulous. I would love that. Yeah. Amazing. Like, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, that's the beauty of doing Zoom and Skype and the internet these totally. days. So for anyone who wants to find you online as well, which is going to be everyone that listens to this podcast, actor or not actor, where can they connect with you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, uh, you can reach out through um, the website, www.josephperlman.com, P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N. And you can reach out to the studio to schedule a session, a free audit, ask a question at info at josephperlman.com, again, P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N. And I'd also encourage you to go to the website to all of the articles I've been writing for Inc. Magazine, for Backstage Magazine, um, they're all on my website, unedited and mm -hmm. um, organized into categories, sort of audition or uh, booked role or cold reading, et cetera. And you can, you can read the articles for free and, and get excited about it, but it would be a joy to invite anybody who's listening who's in Los Angeles uh, to attend a free audit in my masterclass, which is a, a group, some of whom have been in there for over 10 years, every Thursday at 7 p.m., um, watching actors who are, you know, sort of celebrity level actors, series lead level actors, Game of Thrones, Fleabag, uh, getting a workout. Oh, I love and, Fleabag. You know, getting a workout every Thursday uh, in a really fun way. and. Um, yeah, so I would just love to extend that into invitation to any of your listeners to reach out and schedule mm. a, uh, a free uh, audit. Mm. You know, Fabulous. That uh, would be really cool also if I have some, I know I have plenty of actor listeners of the podcast, and if I did an audit on a Thursday from virtually, I could tell yeah. them about it, and we can all, all of those actors can just hop on and watch you on a Thursday. That I would, cool. I would. Yeah, I would love to. Let's see if we can uh, yeah. hopefully figure that out. Yeah. Beautiful. There's so much more to talk about. I but know. I feel, you know, like we're limited. Do uh, you have time for a quick fire round? 
Yeah, do it. Okay, awesome. Sure. Woo! What is your morning ritual? <laughs> what is my morning ritual? Yeah. That's a good question. Well, I have an almost four-year-old daughter, um, so my morning ritual is her. Uh, is, uh, is her. Some of the nights when I have late classes, um, my phenomenal wife will be up with her, allowing me to recover. Um, but yeah, my morning ritual is say um, getting up. I've been in a uh, English breakfast tea mode for some months now. For some reason, I'm drinking coffee now, and just really just trying to clear my head of uh, just trying to feel as good as I can possibly be. But mm. you know, when you've got an almost four-year-old daughter, it is like some of you may know who have kids. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But it is like <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I'm doing whatever she wants me to do. Yeah. Whatever, oh, wow. whatever she gets me to do. Do you have a favorite New York acting class studio? I do have a favorite New York acting class studio. It's my studio that I actually would go back and forth to oh. uh, before my daughter was born that I'm getting jump started again this year. So oh, amazing. stay tuned. Um, we have, we've had a presence in New York. I would go back every, say, four to six weeks uh, to teach there. Oh. So please stay tuned. Yes. We will be back in New York uh, this year as we were some years ago. And, and anybody from anywhere, we can work together via, via video uh, as well. So. Amazing. Uh, that, I'm so glad I asked that. I'm very excited. Good. Anxiously waiting. Excited yeah. and waiting. What's your favorite movie of 2019? Great question. I would say Parasite was fantastic. And you were going to say that. I haven't seen it, but everyone keeps saying that. I'm so bummed I, I missed it in theaters. Parasite was great. Um, Joker was really really cool. Mm. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favorite actors because I would describe him as a dangerous actor. Speaking of mm. making choices that you don't think, you know, that aren't necessarily in the text, Joaquin Phoenix is a master of that. And I love watching his work because um, as he describes it, he, he does everything he can to sort of misbehave with his acting choices. Mm. I, I, I liked watching that for the act, but yeah, Parasite, I'll keep it fast because it's a, it's a, Lightning round. <laughs> Do you have a word for 2020? Yes, is the word I have for 20. Yes. I've always mm. said every, the last couple of years, this is going to be a great year. I'm feeling really good. This year, it is everything. It is like infinite. The most, everything is possible. And I am feeling just yes, is the word. Um, mm. Inspired, empowered, and like, yes, bring it yes. on. I want to, I feel like that word is, um, infinite in its power and possibility. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Everything is possible. Do you have a favorite director? That's a really good question. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson is, I would say, one of my favorite directors. He's the first person that came to mind, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Like Boogie Nights was one of my favorite movies ever, but yeah. What is the biggest time waster for actors? Oh my gosh. You can think of first thing that comes to mind. Biggest time waster. Um, sending mass mailings, going to casting director workshops. Oh, um, I, w I meant to ask you about that. So I'm glad you just put that in. The oh man, around. going to casting director workshops. Um, anytime you invest time and energy in doing an activity that you are put on a lower level than somebody else in the industry, don't do it. Um, Mass mailings, um, obsessing about niche and type. I mean, yeah, I would say looking for agents and managers. Don't have to, please don't do that. 
um, because a synchronicity event will be triggered when you, mm-hmm. you know, are in this incredibly good, beautiful feeling place. You're going to trigger synchronicity event after synchronicity event. So yeah. It just sounds like everything that you hear all the time that everyone's doing, don't do that. Don't do that. I know so many people doing all of those things and it's just really nice to hear. I don't have to do that. But the fact is, is that all these people are doing those things and the folks that aren't are just cleaning up because it Mm. is, you cannot possibly have a million people trying to fit in that one small, it just doesn't work. And I've had a good 35,000 foot view on it um, for a while now. And, but the, 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 the thing that's frustrating is that I think a lot of folks and a lot of articles are basically telling actors to do that thing, not in a malicious way. I just don't think they know better. Like, you know, you're, 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 I don't know, uninspiring, devaluing, you're deflating actors by telling them everybody's path to a successful career is different. It's never going to look like Mm-hmm. What you think it's supposed to look like. It's going to be unexpected. You're going to teleport. You're not going to climb the rungs of the ladder. So, yeah. And I, I think possibly, hopefully, the reason why a lot of folks have found their way to to work with me is because I am telling a different story, you know? not a. It's sort of a non-story, not a story of the doom and the gloom and this is all the work you're going to have to do and it's going to, you're going to have to be a waiter and blah, 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 blah. No. And I think actors on their own should start telling a different story, basically. Mm-hmm. Stop telling a story that doesn't feel good. Um, and yes, it was Noah, Noah Yuval Harari that said, don't get attached to story. Same thing when you get a script. Stop getting attached to like your idea of what you think is supposed to happen because you're never going to discover the genius. You're never going to discover the brilliant. Um, oh, so and tell a different story. Uh, if it's possible to feel better in seconds, let's devote our energies to that. Because mm-hmm. once you do that, like I said, and you know this, Madeline, is that you are going to trigger a wave of synchronicity events um, that is somehow going to, you are going to get to where you want to get and it's yeah. going to feel effortless. Um, yeah. All right, my very last question for you, because I'm so into memoirs, actors' memoirs, anyone's memoirs. Do you have a favorite memoir? Um, I don't have a favorite memoir. Uh, let's see, a favorite memoir. Oh, you know what? Parker Posey wrote something beautiful last year. Parker Posey, who um, has been in every Christopher Guest movie, as far as I know, she's currently plays the the evil um, character in Lost in Space. She is one of my favorite actors working today. And Parker Posey wrote this beautiful uh, story of her life. And I can't remember the name of the book. Um, yeah, I'll look it up. Put it in the show notes. Listeners can look it up. So I would say, yeah, that's interesting. But I also, I kind of, I really do like to not, as much as a fun memoir is cool, I almost don't want to hear too much about how other people are doing what they're doing because I never would want to, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I kind of like. You don't want to attach the story. I don't want to attach the story. Perfectly said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not that it would be a fun read or useful. I, I literally, you said, what do I do in the morning is try to like not be a trash receptacle for all of the static that is like in the air, that stuff mm-hmm. that's going to come up on my phone, which I try not to look at in the morning. Yeah, so you're, you're pretty selective on how, you, how much you expose to yourself with, with a, I'm assuming, social media, media in general. 100%, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, because it can sap you out at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
completely. That doesn't mean don't get sucked up, you know, sucked into it. But um, yeah, I mean, like, just whatever you can do, whatever I can do, just to feel as great as I possibly can. And it's harder some days, and it's easier on some days. And you know, it's um, it's a practice. I see it all as a practice. Yeah, life, all of it, acting, everything is a practice. Yeah, I'm infinitely from the people I work with. There's no sort of, this is my method. And, you know, it's like every day, everything I write article-wise comes from an inspiration, uh, something that somebody said that triggered something else. It's constantly expanding. I think mm-hmm. that is also really, makes it really fun. Mm. Everything's kind of, you know, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on in the Mind Body Musings podcast and shining your light, like your sheer light and your inspiration <laughs> and being a breath of fresh air for all the actors out there, everyone who doesn't act and is just into that's personal right. development and being a human that feels feels. Like that's really what acting is at the end of the day. That's all it is at the end of the day. And we it so appreciate so you. Such a joy. I appreciate you too. It was so much. I had so much fun. And like, we have this much fun and time, be, time doesn't mean anything. It's like kind of like mm. in a snap, but um, my pleasure, a joy. I hope, um, all I hope is that you're, you know, your wonderful listeners, audience, this has utility for them and it makes them happier. It cheers them up because, um, you know, the alternative is, is, is no fun. So thank you very, very much for for asking me and taking the time. There you have it, everyone. A juicy, yummy, scrumptious episode on acting and embodiment and being your own boss, even in the acting world and getting back your empowerment and knowing you can be empowered as an actor, as an artist, as a performer, you can take control. You can create relationships, do what you do best and be yourself. If you want to get all the links we talked about on today's show, get these amazing quotes that he mentioned. He's like a walking quote collector. You can head on over to mattymoon.com forward slash Joseph dash Perlman. And on there, you'll get everything plus the transcript. Everything we talked about written out for you so you can refer back to time and time again. You can copy and paste it. You can save it in a Google Doc. Do whatever you want with it. Love it. Lick it. Fuck it. I don't know. Do whatever you want with it. But do do something with it because I'm super excited to be making these and I want you to enjoy it too. See you next week for another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 